Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration, but this is actually a special MMR episode, Mormon Media Reviews, uh, uh, where we talk to other podcasters and uh, about their podcasts and developments in their podcast. And one of the big up-and-comers that's really been making quite a uh, a lot of uh, people to get attention is Valerie Hamaker of Latter-day Struggles. Welcome back to the program. Hey, Steve. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. We got through the hurricane in one piece, so we're happy. I, I must say it was so awesome um, being able to interact with you in Independence, Missouri. We yes. had that little meetup, and uh, we got to meet some people, and and there were LDS folk there, and there were also people from like you know the other branches of the restoration, and so you got to rub shoulders with them. Did you have fun meeting some new folk? It was really cool. It was really cool. I'm from, as many of you, well, maybe you don't know, but I live in Jackson County, Missouri, and so, yeah, I guess there was a big gathering here. I'm kind of a new kid on the block. So uh, Steve told me he was coming into town. And so we decided we were going to go out to dinner and he put a meetup together and we had a great time meeting some pretty cool people. So it was a good time. Yeah, yeah it was. It really was. And this is really, this is the key thing about this channel is that we want to build bridges, uh, especially with people uh, that maybe have struggles like for instance my story i was an atheist for a long time and i experienced a lot of religious abuse and ptsd as a result of that and one of the beautiful things about your channel is that you're you're another safe space you're not about bashing the church you're about a love and a safe place where people can also talk out maybe their issues that they're having and uh, maybe that's part of their healing journey and that and you and you the main reason you decided to do that was because you have a therapy background and you wanted to kind of integrate some of those skills into your podcast and actually help people that way. Would that be a good summation? Uh, it's a beautiful summation. I am so flattered and complimented about what you just said, because I really want to create a safe place for people to become healthy. And I feel like I've tried really, really hard to articulate that it's not about in or out of the church. It's about becoming a healthy, whole, peaceful human being. That's my, that's my desire. That's, that's what I try to bring in every episode that I, that I pre create and in every interaction that I have with people that I work with. So yes. Mm, yeah. And of course you just broke news and told me, if you don't mind me telling, telling our audience, but you've actually hit a milestone for your uh, podcast today. Yeah. Yeah. Just coincidentally, Steve and I have tried to come together, I think three different times and, you know, hurricanes get in the way and things like that. But yeah, just today, um, I, I crossed the 50,000 download threshold and that's pretty exciting because that's really only in, I would say really honestly, since August that, 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 so I, the podcast launched in the end of February, beginning of March, but it's really taken off since the end of July when I spoke at the Sunstone Symposium. And so it is very meaningful to me, mostly because all I really care about is I just want, I want to help people heal and I want to help people connect and become whole. And so if people are feeling um, that, that this is helpful and that they're resonating with what we're doing and they're sharing it, um, then I, it's, it's extremely um, satisfying and it, it brings a lot of happiness to me that that's, that this is happening this way. So it's exciting. You know, and you recently had an episode um, about queer phobia um, and you, you felt like that's had quite an impact with your audience. And, and I would just want you to kind of just give us a little summation of it. What kind of feedback you've been getting yeah. and what made you decide to pursue that topic? Yeah, so I started some small groups as a like the processing and sort of uh, support groups 
where I'm working with people who are listening to the podcast, I've transitioned a little bit of my professional time over to working with people that specifically in or around the LDS tradition who want more support and help. So when I started doing that, I started listening to and actually getting some feedback from the individuals that I was getting to know. And I started learning, oh my goodness, you know what I'm doing? I'm a, I'm a faith crisis person. <laughs> it's funny. I started the podcast and I didn't even really actually have that identity. It was just more about truth telling and talking about what people were sharing with me when they came in and visited with me one-on-one. And so as we started having these more collaborative conversations, it occurred to me, wow, this is, we're talking not only about faith crisis, but we're talking about faith evolution or faith expansion. And so I wanted to educate myself and the audience on faith crisis. And that led me and my husband to doing a five-part series on the, the official faith crisis report that was published many years ago, which most, or at least many individuals knew nothing about, which then, because of, again, I'm trying to be really, tr- I, I want to interact with my audience. I was getting some feedback that like, this is really helpful, but you know, a lot of us are struggling, not just with truth claims and struggles that were mentioned in the faith crisis report, we're actually struggling a lot with the progressive issues and with issues of institutional marginalization. And so I thought, you know what? Yes, that's something that I struggle with too. And that I'm trying to make sense of. And so then I really dug deeply into some scholarship, um, especially around what I consider to be the civil rights issue of our day and our time, which is how we um, have institutionally marginalized the LGBTQ plus population. And so I did a a couple of episodes on that, one from the side of science and one from the side of um, where we really looked at the the trauma and the psychological costs um, in the home, in the family, in the hearts and souls of the individuals because of our institutionalized queer phobia. And it came from the book, um, No More Goodbyes, written by Carolyn Pearson. And that's kind of how it all evolved. And then you and I were visiting about my coming on and doing book reviews from time to time. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is fresh on my mind. And it's gotten a ton of feedback. And I think the need is great. Well, and this is the thing. So, and by the way, folks, I just wanna let you know, I'm gonna leave a link in the description for the No More Goodbyes book. Um, so if you're interested, and so we're going to we're gonna do like a little bit of M- MBR in MMR and talk a little bit about this book, which um, it really seems to have really had an effect on you reading it. I just want you to kind of give a summation of this book and maybe take maybe some of the principles that you were able to learn from it too, and then, and then integrate that into what you're doing. Happy to do that, Steve. I think it impacted me most intimately or like it, it touched me deeply because of my own growth journey. I feel like a lot of the reason why I have the voice that I have is partly because I come from most of my life being an Orthodox member of the church and actually being queer phobic myself. Okay. And so having been born and raised under a certain worldview and having a certain set or a certain lens through which I looked and being convinced on some level that the world was a certain way. And then going through my own evolutionary process in my own spiritual and psychological growth, having to reconcile and recognize as I've read and studied and gotten to know people and understood basically science and theology and history, I've had to reconcile for myself that I was wrong. I was wrong. And so when I 
look at and read the stories. And that's why this book is so powerful, Steve. The book is about the stories of real people and real lives and the real impact that happens in the homes and the hearts and the families and the wards of individuals as a product of this doctrine and theology. It, it, it goes beyond something that is sort of something we can hover over and um, talk about right and wrong or doctrine or policy. And it starts to actually become a human, a human heart issue. And I sobbed my way through the book. I'm not going to lie to you. I pretty much cried my way through the entire book. Wow. You know, and this is the thing too, you know, and again, this is a neutral safe space um, for all voices. And I want to say that there are similar experiences within the evangelical world of mm -hmm. people that have been mistreated, those who are part of the LGBTQ community, and there's many harsh things that have been done to these people. Um, and so I think it's important that we acknowledge that this is not just something that's with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, yes. but this is something that's, you know, part of institutionalized religion for a very, very long time. And, it, it, but also this is the thing is that um, we can also use the same tools mm -hmm. of our faith traditions and actually be able to integrate them in a way that we can actually use them to also be part of the healing process, the restoration process to actually show the LGBTQ community that Jesus does love them and that they are a child of God. Yes. I love how you say that, that there is, that's the beautiful thing is that I think that there is, um, we are wounded in community and we are healed in community. None of this happens in isolation. And I really, really appreciate how you're uh, reminding all of us that all of us in some ways are complicit in some of these marginalization problems because that in some ways is the nature of how we as humans some operate. I don't exactly know why, but we tend to like to put ourselves above other people, whether it be different races, different genders, um, different forms of sexuality. We really tend to like to um, create hierarchies. And I think as we grow spiritually and psychologically, I don't care what faith tradition we're in or no faith tradition at all. It is, I think, um, part of the growth process that we start looking at ourselves um, and noticing what we have done and how we have been part of the problem and try as best as we can to become part of the solution. You know, I was talking with Dr. Randy Bell, who also has a really great podcast. And um, we were, he would told me uh, when he came on my program, how he helped uh, the churches uh, coordinate the campaign uh, for Proposition 8 in California. Um, he was just being a good church member, loyal, and he was in charge of it for his area in Southern California. And, uh, and, and, and Randy, um, really kind of just held the party line of what you're supposed to feel about this particular issue. But then he actually, um, he's what he does is he goes around and goes to sites of human disasters. He's been to uh, Twin Towers right after it happened. He went to Sandy Hook right after it happened. He went to Jeffrey Epstein's island. I mean, he's been to every place where there's been these human tragedies, okay? And one of those places he went to was the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida. And he said, what I saw mm. when I walked in there is I walked out of there from, I walked in there being anti-LGBTQ and I walked out a changed person and became their biggest ally. And he said, I repented for what I did with Proposition 8. And that's a, that's a powerful story. Yeah. And I think it just shows that even if we are taught wrong principles, um, the, the idea that God can come in and maybe change our lives 
by giving us a different perspective and how to look at things like that as well. Beautifully said, Steve, you're describing to me the very essence of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power to change. That's what the atonement of Jesus Christ is, right? It's the idea that we are ever evolving and that um, we are here ultimately to become made over, to become changed. And so certainly we all should be okay with the idea that not only can we as individuals um, have evolutionary experiences, but so can our institutions. But guess who um, whose responsibility that is? It's ours. We are the membership of the institution. And if we want to activate the atonement of Jesus Christ in, in the institution at large, it comes from the composite of the members of the church who are willing and open to grow and change, just like that beautiful story that you just told. He was blind and then he saw. I was blind and I have come to see. And there mm -hmm. are other things that we're consistently learning how to see differently through the healing and changing and growing process. That's what life is. It's a beautiful experience, right? Yes, it is. And you know, one of the beautiful things about your program is it's also kind of a partnership with your husband. Yeah. And you also uh, mentioned that he also kind of shifted on this too. Could, perhaps you could talk a little bit about his story, about how he went yeah. from kind of having the same worldview and then shifted his uh, paradigm on that as well. Yeah, I think our larger story is, well, we were both born and raised in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, both of us very orthodox. Um, you could add to his story that he also comes from uh, the Deep South. And so he has sort of that extra layer of, of, you know, conservative Christianity, um, on his side. And he was very much sort of a card carrying following, um, not only just member of the church, but really, really of a conservative. And we came to realize through our own growth process that we both were being hurt by the larger picture of patriarchy that we had sort of, um, co-opted into our life and our marriage, meaning that he, uh, sort of as, and by the way, men are hurt by patriarchy too, is what we've come to recognize in our marriage, right? Is that he didn't necessarily give himself the, the freedom to choose how to provide for, you know, to, how to even like create his own career because he was needing to be the provider. He needed to take care of people. So he didn't really have any, he didn't see himself as necessarily having a choice, and so we both sort of took on these really rigid roles and neither of us were happy. <laughs> mm. I wasn't happy in my role um, as sort of a prescribed stay-at-home Mormon mom. He was not happy in his role um, as a provider in the way that he had chosen. And so it kind of, we came to a, a breaking point about five years ago for a variety of reasons. Um, and it was wonderful because in some ways we had to reevaluate everything. We had to recognize that, you know, the structures that have created us um, in some ways have blessed us deeply and continue to do so. It's part of who we are. It's our heritage. Um, and there are very beautiful things about that, but there are, is also some real, some, some things that are very, very problematic. And so we basically had to have the psychological courage and agency to say, you know what, we're going to hold on to the things that have helped us. And we are going to let go of the things that are not helping us and that are actually hurting us from our own tradition. And that's really how this podcast has evolved. It's from hours and hours and hours and actually years of our wrestling with how to become spiritual um, and psychologically more mature. And that's what I invite people on our show as he and I talk, we're inviting people to grow psychologically and spiritually whole and to become agents of change and actually agents of choice 
for themselves, not because the church tells you you have to, not because the prophet tells you you have to, but because we are entities that um, have the divine privilege to be in connection with God and God. And collaboratively, we come up with what our own destiny is, not because of there's any, nothing outside gets to tell us that. And that was everything that changed everything for us. And that's why we have such a passion and a voice to help other people do that. Well, that's great. That is fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, and then that the Mormon concept of free agency and how, how, mm-hmm. how big of a role it plays. And so often I think people feel that because they are part of the church, they've given up their free agency. But that's uh, in one sense, it's a universal principle within the concept of Mormon theology sure. that is uh, it's always available free agency, I would imagine. Uh, if it's not, then it really isn't free agency. <laughs> and, you said uh, very well. <laughs> and, you know, and, and that reminds me, I was having a conversation with Dr. Amos Brown, the civil rights icon, the NAACP, very good friends with President Nelson. And, you know, one of the things he talked about is that he he meets with, you know, the, the, the apostles and he's good friends with them. And he had told me that, you know, he, he sees from them that there's they're signaling to him that there's going to be a shift on this whole issue as well. He wow. feels pretty satisfied that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is moving in a in a, a different direction uh, in this regard as well. And I just think that's important that what they're signaling, you know, uh, right. to like a civil rights icon, that we really, they want to change the trajectory on this issue, which I find fascinating. And folks, this is a nonpartisan show. And there are very conservative people who might not agree with everything that we're saying here. But this is the thing. Um, all churches in, in, in the West, in the West, are all suffering. We're losing members. It's becoming less and less relevant to the culture. The church, in one sense, is losing its salt and light. And I'm saying this about all churches, okay? And so now we have to figure out how do we as a people remain relevant to the wider culture? And how do we then take into account our LGBTQ brothers and sisters and and and, and how to provide restoration and healing in their lives? And so this is this. I just want this to be instructive of this, but I also want you to understand that you know, based on what they're telling high up people in the NAACP, that they're pushing. There, it seems to me the church is going to be heading in a different direction. Well, that's fascinating. That's new. That's actually news to me, Steve. So, I think I think that's wonderful news. And you know, it actually kind of reminds me of something I've been recently reading. Greg Prince's book. I'm going to look at the title here because it's it's called Gay Rights and the Mormon Church: Intended Actions, Unintended Consequences. And just what I was reading this morning in that book was that as sort of devastating as and disastrous on some levels as Prop 8 was, in some ways it was actually the catalyst that woke us all up to the to the need to really address this problem head on at a national level. And so I think I think you know big ships turn slowly. Yep. And it takes a long time, but I think every little action counts and I think when we do it and that's why one of the reasons why I love our um conversation, Steve, is that you and I both have a heart to serve and to build bridges. It's not about tearing people down, tearing ideas down. It's more about how we can integrate love into the greater conversation. That's what we Mm -hmm. want from, um, from all faith traditions. It's really more about how can we add love to the larger picture um, uh, and and healing for all Mm -hmm. human beings, wherever they stand. And I think that's so important. And, you know, that it's also too, is, you know, I always try to, I defend the church whenever I can, because I feel that it is unfairly maligned. And one thing I'm going to say, and then I'll move on, is that people can go after the church for Proposition 8 in 2008. They also have to accept the fact, you progressives, that Barack Obama was running for president at the time in 2008 and was supporting the idea 
uh, basically was supportive of the idea of, of, of marriage between a man and woman and was not supportive of gay marriage. So we got to also be fair. So Barack Obama carried California and millions of people that voted for him also voted to ban gay marriage. So I think it's important that we also have the context of the time as well. Um, you know, I, I wanted to maybe get back a little bit to No More Goodbyes. Um, yeah. I, uh, how did you come across this book? What made you decide that you were going to pick this thing up? I became acquainted with, so, okay, let me double back a little bit more. My, my most intensive sort of deep dive that uh, landed me here where I am in the work that I'm doing and um, sort of what I experience as my own ministry really actually began with my deep dive into the, uh, into the idea of polygamy and trying to make sense of that. And I think that's not uncommon for uh, conservative women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I don't know too many of us who have what I would consider to be a complacent relationship with that topic. Even in our more orthodox days, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit right. And so when I finally had the courage to look at that, I jumped right in and it occurred to me that I needed to come to some conclusions, whether or not, in other words, I, I moved away from the pursuit of loyalty in my relationship and I moved towards the pursuit of truth. And mm. for me, loyalty was more about loyalty to the beliefs and teachings of the church. And it started to feel as I grew more important to be more committed to truth than to loyalty. Okay. So I go down the, the rabbit hole of, of polygamy discovery. I learned all sorts of things and had to re pretty much, you know, reintegrate who I am and how I even experience myself in my own context. That led me to her book, The, um, the Ghosts of Eternal Polygamy. And then I moved into more of Carolyn Pearson's books. And then at Sunstone Symposium last July, I spent a lot of time at some of the vendors with all of the, the cool used books from, you know, who knows how long ago. And I love me a used bookstore. So I bought this book there, the No More Goodbyes book there just last July. And I have already become interested in um, basically any issue that pressures people to treat others with love. That's what has drawn me to reevaluate my own relationship with this marginalized population, among, among other things. I mean, you know, we all have these sort of dogmatic ideas and then, and then you have close relationships with with like in this case, a gender or sexual minority, and you just fall in love with them. They're wonderful human beings and it mm -hmm. doesn't line up with the doctrine. And so all of that combined, I, I got the book, I read it. Um, I saw my way through it and I just, it solidified what I already was beginning to feel needed to be addressed. And then I think as my audience grew, it occurred to me that um, I wanted and I want to be a voice that um, is truth telling and respectful, loving my heritage, loving the good things that I have received from my heritage, but also bravely willing to talk about what, um, what needs to be looked at in the service of being more like God and more showing, showing more of the attributes of God in loving marginalized populations. And so that's kind of my journey and how I, I got here and, um, got to the podcast that I, I dropped a few weeks ago and how we're talking about this now. Well, this is really remarkable. I had no idea that this was such a recent thing to happen to you. So in one sense, you're still processing this and you're in your, and then you're sharing it with your audience. What has that been like for you and what kind of feedback have you been getting? So that's a really good question. When I dropped uh, my episode number 23, just a few months ago, because my, you got this is all news. This is all new to me. Like I am, I am right walking alongside many of the people that are listening 
to my podcast and I'm showing, I feel like I'm showing a lot of courage myself because, and I think that's what's bonding a lot of people to me is they're walking by my side. I may be a half step ahead of them, but I am actually walking with them, not in front of them. And I remember before I dropped my first episode, which was number 23 on this very topic, I reached out to a good friend of mine, one of the, uh, one of the moderators at Mormons building bridges. And I actually had him listen to the podcast. And I said to him, this is new territory for me. I am having to learn a whole new dialect. <laughs> I want to make sure I'm being sensitive. I want to make sure I'm not saying something that just in my own, um, ignorance is not, uh, is, is, is insensitive or basically my whole point was I'm just, I'm learning and I'm an ally and I love you, but I'm, I'm new at this. And so please help me. And so throughout this process, even in the last two episodes that I just dropped a few weeks ago, I had some very kind, uh, listeners, uh, reach out to me and just graciously and just so complimentary and also saying, Hey, by the way, when you talk about this particular thing, maybe say it this way. It's a little bit, it's a little bit more sensitive. And, um, I'm just always so grateful because I'm like, you know what I am, I'm, I'm new at this. I'm learning and I, I want to understand you better. And I think in some ways it really creates a bond because I'm not coming across as like, I'm not an expert. Mm -hmm. I, I just am a, I'm someone who wants to build bridges. I have my expertise in psychology, but this is something that I, I really want to be as much as anything, a student and a mentor and just help people recognize that love is the thing that heals. And, um, and so that's kind of been my, my, you know, my, my, my growing pains journey with my little, you know, my Bambi legs where I'm trying to just like figure out how to walk. You know, one of the things I try to avoid with this program is to get involved in the culture wars. <clears throat> sure. I think what's happened, unfortunately, is everything's become so politicized and weaponized. Yeah. And I just feel it's really important. And I mentioned this when I had John Dillon my, on my program is that I don't, look at people in as a group i look at them as individual people because yes. as i i can tell you that there are things that i don't agree with with the lgbtq community everything they do as a movement if you will but i don't even care because i just care about the individual person and you know who else i care about i care about people who still firmly believe and it's their personal conviction and a religious mm -hmm. view that man is for a man man and a woman Mm -hmm. I understand that view viewpoint too. And I just want to mm -hmm. say, I'm not here to bash you because yeah. how in the world can I go say you're a bigot when Barack Obama had the same position a decade ago, right? I mean, it's just so right. crazy to think people need their time to transition. And yes. I understand where you're coming from. Yes. But also I think that people take these positions and they're sincere. Um, yes. And and they're really don't, um, they're don't, they don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not all haters. They just, they just yeah. have firm convictions. So I think it's so important that folks, you know, this is not about what group you belong to, yeah. what church you belong to, what movement you belong to. It's about you and your relationship with him. And I think that's so important that we focus on that and that, that we are all needing something that can heal us because we're all wounded, like you said earlier. Mm -hmm. And we also need to accept the fact that everybody's wounded. And so you need to show love and compassion to people who also might have wounds that you might be, uh, you might be offended by some of those manifestations of those wounds, right? Because they're all human, but also recognize that they are wounded individuals too. You know, Steve, thank you for that. And I think what you, you said touches me because it's, I think the way we build bridges and we truly love one another 
is by acknowledging the very thing that you just said, which is that all of us come by how we feel very, very honestly. I, I just, I have a hard time acknowledging that anyone wakes up in the morning trying to be a bad person or believe things that they don't sincerely believe are the very best for humanity. And they, we're, we're all very, well, it's hard to say all or none, right? But I think, I think we're, most of us very, very earnest. We believe the things that we believe and we have the convictions that we have um, for, for good reasons. And I've been on both sides of this, um, of this issue. And so I very much can remember, and um, I, I remember feeling very, very, very strongly about the other side of this issue. And so I actually can, um, I, I can, I can remember that. And I'm, I'm grateful that I can remember that because it helps me have a lot of compassion for other people's um, varying beliefs and varying stages of, of their belief systems. That's mm -hmm. part of the process, right? Yeah, it is. It really is. And, and that's what I love about the channel and what you're doing. And this is why I think that you and I have found such a, a great connection yeah. because we, we recognize, we just want to help people. And in, and in your capacity, you're able to do it to bring your, your, your skills as a mm -hmm. therapist and also your life experiences. And I also have my life experiences, which have been kind of pretty unique <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and, 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 but it also informs me uh, yeah. to, and then shows me how to be compassionate yes. and have, have empathy for the other. And, and that's so important in today's yeah. society that we can have provide those places that I've, I'm trying to provide, you're trying to provide, you have a safe space here. And I get letters from people from around the world all the time. I get people reaching out to me. I try to get back to you as soon as I can, but I get swamped sometimes. But I want to hear you. I, he I read every message. I read every comment that you put out there. Mm -hmm. And I, I recognize that I know what I'm doing is appreciated. And I just love you so much. And this is the cool thing, Valerie. You're getting similar feedback too. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, when I started the podcast, it was very much on a whim. <laughs> I actually had another, a different podcast, a different platform that was taking up. It was kind of my, my main, my main responsibility along with my private practice and a therapist friend. And I thought, wow, we really are seeing some of the same things. And we have a little bit of a unique voice and we had the courage to speak up and speak into that. And so we, we started this thing. It was kind of like, eh, I hope someone listens, but not sure if they will. And Almost immediately, Steve, I started getting those letters that you're describing that you get, which is I've, I feel seen. I feel understood. I'm not crazy. I'm not evil. A lot of people said I've, I, you're articulating for me the questions I've had for years, but I haven't had the words. I haven't had known how to say them. And I have felt too frightened to say them. And I don't know who to say them to. And I also felt like if I did say them, the messaging that I got back was that there was something wrong with me. And so I was kind of shocked a little bit like, wow. And they kept coming and they kept coming and they kept coming. And, and it just was one of those things that sort of kind of evolved on its own. And, and then I started feeling more like, I think this is something I should be focusing more on. I need to shift away from some of my other work and towards this, because clearly there's a need in the church. And the thing that is fascinating that wasn't even exactly my intention was that people that tend to be attracted to our podcast want to stay in relationship with the church somehow. A lot of them want to stay in the church, but are feeling very, very incongruent with themselves. And so they're trying to navigate that. Some people are not in the church, but they're married to somebody who is, and they're finally able to have 
a coherent, peaceful conversation with their partner for the first time in years. Some people are just trying to, uh, they're all just trying to live psychologically um, healthy experiences. And so I think I'm giving them the space and the permission to have those questions, to be incongruent with the brethren, to be in closer connection with God, and to basically learn and grow through the descent, through the questions, through the complexities. Life is not simple. Religion is not simple. Relationship is not simple. And if we can just sort of accept that and recognize that complexity is, is the way of life, then we can actually normalize that and people actually start to heal and find peaceful relationships with the people around them and with the institutions around them. And I think that's kind of why, um, I guess, I'm trying to kind of piece together what it is that has been so helpful. But I think that's kind of what it is. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Um, you know, I just, I. so obviously, folks, get the book, uh, No More Goodbyes, uh, heartily recommended by Valerie. Um, and then, like I said, I'll provide a link there. Um, I just want to know a little bit more about your podcast. Like, how are people able to access your podcast? What platforms are you on? Do you have a website that they could go to? Um, and then and we can provide those links too as well. But talk a little bit about how people can find your podcast. Yeah, so so most of the people that come on, that listen to the podcast, find it from iTunes and Spotify. I know I'm on several other, five or six other providers. I think I'm just on most of the providers. I, I feel pretty confident in saying and yeah, and then I have a website, ValerieHammaker.com, which is actually at present being sort of retooled away from my former platform and towards this new one, just because of the, the need. And then I also, as I mentioned before, I am currently facilitating small groups mm -hmm. and those people, there are 25 people or 25 screens per group. We meet once a week. It's processing, it's connection. It's role-playing, it's helping people navigate the complexities of their own faith expansion journey. And we've got two going, two are starting next week. Um, lots and lots of people on wait lists. It's just people that are actually super excited to find answers to and solutions to and find a way to navigate this complex faith crisis or faith expansion experience and not do so alone. I keep kind of saying um, jokingly, you know, this kind of experience is a team sport. It's not, it's not done well by ourselves. We need connection. And I think that's one of the things that people miss the most when they are struggling um, in their faith journeys is the, their community has been their church. And then when they feel complex relationships with the church, I think sometimes they estrange themselves from the community that is so helpful to so many of them. And this is providing sort of a supplementary community to help them grapple with complex questions. And um, a lot of people are just having a great time, including myself. It's, it's, it's been um, extraordinarily rewarding for me as well. Um, I just want to know if people want to financially support your channel, are there links on your website in which they're able to do that? Steve, I don't have a Patreon account, but you're, uh, you're inspiring me to get one because I, yeah, I, I don't have one right now, but All right, well, folks, let's get, let's help uh, get her going here and uh, maybe then we can uh, get some financial contributors because you're putting a lot of time and effort into this endeavor. And um, I, I, I think people need to support you. Do So maybe a PayPal account, Patreon, whatever. Well, we'll hopefully we can get something set up and help you. Maybe I can even give you some advice on that as well. I could use your help. I'm, you know, like I said, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a newbie. I'm a new kid on the yeah. block. And so I, I need all the help I can get. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, first of all, folks, I just realized I'm, if I look a little red in the face, it's because we adjusted the camera light. So that's what that is, but we do have professional lighting, but I think it might turn out a little redder than usual. I don't have sunburns, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> even though I'm here in Florida and, uh, you know, Valerie, um, uh, 
first of all, I'm so glad you came on the program today because when you and I have had these conversations, uh, we've, we've been able to, first of all, personally meet uh, in, in the hot conversations uh, on Zoom calls. And I just felt like there was a real connection we had. And I had reached out to you after we did our first interview. And I said, listen, I want us to do occasional projects together. Like you just, if you have an idea, Valerie, let's do it. I also kind of want you to maybe consider like with Rebecca Biblioteca, how she sometimes comes on and co-hosts uh, maybe like if we want to interview a guest uh, together. Yeah. I think that would be kind of fun. That'd be fabulous. Um, That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, maybe we'll do some future collaborations in the future. And folks, uh, tell us what you think about this conversation we had today. We love hearing your feedback um, and we do love you very much. And even if you disagree with us, that's, that's fine. That really you know, is fine. I love what you're saying, Stephen. I, I I couldn't emphasize enough what you just said, which is it's not about what we each believe. Love can surpass belief. Love surpasses belief. We can love one another and make space for each other no matter where we are. And um, I know that's what you're trying to do. And I know that's what I'm trying to do. And so it's so fun to come together with you and kind of create a safe space um, in a world that doesn't necessarily, that struggles with that, right? The world struggles mm -hmm. and we're trying to do something um, that's that's beyond that, that's really um, speaking into truly what helps us grow and that's love. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. wow, that's fantastic. Well, folks, I just want to thank you so much uh, for sitting in on this little interview we're having today. I do want to remind you that this month's uh, uh, book giveaway is going to be David Boyce's 52 Churches in 52 Weeks. So make sure that you uh, go to Mormon... Uh, mormonbookreviews at gmail.com and put in the subject head book contest and leave your name and address and you'll be entered into the drawing for the November book giveaway. And David actually had a similar thing where he, in his book, where he was very anti-LGBTQ and it's a beautiful book. It's a, it's a journey of him visiting a different church every week and kind of exploring and learning things about himself and also removing some of the baggage of a high demand religion he belonged to, which was a conservative branch of the Lutheran church. So that's another wonderful story. And this is uh, the place, folks. Um, I just don't remind you to don't forget to like and subscribe and don't forget to hit the notification button for when a new episode comes out. I will have links in the description for those of you who would like to financially support the program on Patreon and PayPal and Valerie, get it, get yours set up soon. Get it going. <laughs> don't forget mormonbookreviews.com is the, is our merch store. So you can buy hats, mugs, got a coffee mug here. We're always happy to, uh, when somebody orders something uh, from us, I just remind you folks, uh, Mormon book reviews is the place where all the voices of the restoration will be heard. Valerie, thanks for coming on today. Pleasure to be with you today, Steve. We'll see you soon. See you often.